The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish, your host for Beyond, episode 561. Beyond is, of course, our weekly PlayStation show, the number one PlayStation show on the internet, according to a chart I just made up in my head. This week, I am joined by Max Scoville. Thrilled to be here. And Tom Marks. Beyond, hello. Brian Altano is, of course, overseas, venturing far away from us. He'll be back. Don't He's sick with body that. diseases and traveling in the fjords of Norway. To try to get better. Uh, but will he ever? You can find out on later episodes of Beyond. Sea uh, air, is it good for your lungs, or is that just a myth? It's probably... A fisherman's myth. It's probably bad for you. Uh, this week on Beyond, we're going to be talking a lot about the future of PlayStation beyond the PlayStation 4 Beyond. I get it. There you go. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a lot of news, uh, just a quick hit of a bunch of Spider-Man news, PUBG on PS4, a weird new random PS4 Pro SKU that came out of nowhere, Game more nominees, and then our impressions of Spyro, Fallout, and of course Tetris, if you haven't played Tetris. Oh my god, play Tetris Effect. Yep. Play it. Play it. That's all you need to know. Play that game. Uh, but before we jump into impressions and the news of the week and all of that stuff, I did want to talk about sort of a weird thought I had about the next generation of stuff as we go forward. Uh, so right now... Over the weekend, XO18 happened, which is not PlayStation-related. That was sort of Xbox Fan Fest. It was their revival of a thing they used to do. And while there, Microsoft announced that they had purchased Obsidian, Obsidian, excuse me, and Inexile. Obsidian, of course, did Fallout New Vegas, the Pillars of Eternity franchise, the first South Park Stick of Truth RPG, and then Inexile is known for the Wasteland series. And then earlier this year, they also announced they had purchased Ninja Theory, who did uh, Hellblade last year. Undead Labs, the State of Decay guys, Compulsion Games, who did We Happy Few, and then Playground Games, who of course has been doing the Forza Horizon franchise, but there are all these rumors they're doing a new Fable game as well. Uh, and then they also opened a new studio in Santa Monica, I assume directly across the street from Sony Santa Monica, just for fun <laughs> competition. But the thing I wanted to ask about all this, so Microsoft clearly is uh, stacking up their first party stable of developers. And this is obviously a clear, forward-thinking thing. This is not for whatever's going to be uh, developed on the Xbox One in the next year. This is clearly a play for the next generation. My question to you guys, at least on the whole, is how do you think this is going to stack up to what we can sort of expect from PlayStation in the future? Because obviously PlayStation Stable of Worldwide Studios has been such an important part of their identity, and especially the PS4. But a lot of the games they've developed for the PS4 have been sort of long development games. They've taken many years to develop. They have, and I think that the interesting thing is if you look if you compare uh, going way back to e3 xbox's e3 compared to playstation's e3 xbox was like like you said they sh said here's all these developers we bought 
almost all of those things are certainly not for this gen. These are going to be games. They're going to be making games. They're going to take years to develop. While PlayStation was showing off games that are coming, but maybe a little farther away, and that's it. And so we're looking forward at games like Ghost of Tsushima. I still don't know how to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> uh, and Death Stranding, and kind of wondering when are these are going to arrive. And they could arrive right on that cusp. And then they're maybe they're both generations. Maybe they're just next gen. We don't really know. But then what does it look like after that? We don't really have a sense. I think it's a really good question, and it's one it's it's hard for me to to kind of get a beat on. Yeah, I think that uh, Microsoft is definitely getting the message that they need more games. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was a kind of a resounding thing. And and Sony really started off this generation by being like, yes, this is a machine for playing games on. We were investing in in people <laughs> playing games, whereas Microsoft was like, hey, man, you can get ESPN and it's like a cable box and hook it up and <laughs> DVDs. And that you didn't know. go so well. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't that wasn't so hot. <laughs> um, but I really hope that Sony doesn't sort of rest on their laurels because obviously the PS4 is in the lead right now. It does really well. Uh, wonderful library, wonderful like it's kind of the destiny for third-party stuff for the most part. Um, and so I feel like the last time Sony was in this position was with the PS2, uh, and then they got kind of like, they kind of were riding high, and they were like, yeah, we're, our, our shit doesn't stink. Let's put out the <laughs> PS3. Let's let's switch to cell processing. We're the industry leader. And, you know, obviously that came back to hit them. That was that kind of that that same hubris that Microsoft went into last or this generation with, um, you know, after the 360 kind of ate the PS3's lunch. So yeah. obviously there is kind of an arms race going on, but uh, I hope that this is sort of, I hope this is everyone sort of looking at their own paper and being like, how can we improve our own thing without trying to sort of just, you know, cut off the other guy, you know, in the other lane, whatever. Um, I'm sure there's stuff in development we don't know about, but I think the point you brought up, Jonathan, is a really good one that these are long dev games. Like, how long was God of War and Spider-Man in these games in development for? And they paid off. They're great, great games, but it does... And, and what they showed at E3 was also these long development games... So it, it does make me concerned, I guess, but also there's probably a lot of teams working on stuff within Sony that we just don't know about. It's so much it's so much more forward-facing when Microsoft buys a company because then mm -hmm. you can immediately go, they own InXile, InXile is developing a game for them. Like, you can just sort of assume that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then even if you don't know what those studios are specifically working on, you can say, okay, they bought seven studios, that's probably seven more... Uh, exclusive games that are coming. We can't really do that with Sony. Yeah. Did, I was wondering, in terms of specifically exclusives, do you see this as sort of an armed race of exclusives, and do you think, how much does that matter to the bottom line, or is that more for a publicity thing when you're starting a generation? Because you look at, like, the sales of Spider-Man, and its first three days are that first uh, big number that they reported, 3.3 million copies. And it was, like, the fastest-selling PlayStation exclusive ever. Uh, obviously, that is a huge deal, but 3.3 million is only a fraction of the 85-plus million people who own it. So while, while the first-party exclusives are super important critically, and I think to define the systems, they don't always equate to the 30 million plus sellers that you see in generation. I mean, I think it's it's they're building that ecosystem and they're also kind of investing in I mean we've got a we've got a nice little Spyro statue in front of us. At one point <laughs> Spyro was sort of a mascot for the PlayStation and yeah. then that just sort of evaporated and went over to, to Activision. Same yeah. with Crash Bandicoot. And I think that uh Sony's being like, you know, they're looking over at, at Nintendo with with Mario and all of those beloved characters and being like, oh if we're really thinking, you know, decades in the future, like we have to have our own stable of characters. And I think seeing stuff like, you know, like Kratos and, and Aloy 
uh, is very smart to be like these are these are our. It's not just it's not just games either. It's intellectual property. Yeah, uh, I think that the sort of next wave of things after superhero movies is probably going to be video game adaptations somewhere <laughs> down down the line. I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but we're in uh, this weird wave of Mario, Mega Man, Sonic all have yeah. adaptations. The Detective Pikachu trailer came out this week. Like, it's really good. It looks really good. <laughs> we're going to just talk about that for the next hour. But no, I mean it's it's also weird because Sony obviously they have this sort of this stable of, of first party games, and they were like, hey, here's here's the stuff we're working on, and there was this sort of you know you get this fatigue where we're like, okay, so yeah, day's gone. When's that coming out? You know, they're kicking it down the road. So we don't know when Death Stranding's coming out. We don't know what's yeah. going on with a lot of other stuff they've shown off. Uh, and that's kind of an odd place to be. Whereas with Microsoft, that was very smart to be like, hey, we promise games are coming. We bought studios. <laughs> and they're not going to be like, all right, in exile, get to work. We need someone to make a uh, Excel. 2019 you know like they're not going to have them making like you know productivity software yeah, they're going to be making yeah. games like that's what that's for uh it's smart because they can double dip with making pc games as well as you know xbox games yeah. but uh without kind of letting the cat out of the bag and being like hey we've got a great new ip on the way it's called scalebound <laughs> hello you know like, they kind of they shot themselves in the foot by by announcing a bunch of games and then that crackdown those... three exactly yeah, yeah we're still waiting for that for next crackdown year down three yeah what's really interesting to me about sony exclusives and may maybe this is what we'll see from them especially with the next gen is that a lot of their exclusives have been generational so it was with insomniac obviously insomniac was in first party but you see stuff like spyro for the ps1 generation with them and then for the ps2 generations where they introduced ratchet and that did carry over to ps3 but you look at naughty dog and it was the jack trilogy and then before that crash and then uncharted and now we're still getting the continuation of uncharted and last of us so i do agree i think they're making ip that will last for mm -hmm. generations and not just how insane would it be if naughty dog went back to crash that would be bizarre. I don't I think mean, that can happen right now. I mean, for a while, Activision was the one putting out Spider-Man games, and then yeah. lo and behold, suddenly Insomniac's doing it again. Yeah, now that Marvel... I mean, it, it's curious to see what Activision will do, and we'll definitely talk, I think, a little later about Spyro and Crash's futures, given Reignited in the Insane Trilogy. But in general, for the games that we do know about Sony with Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, um, Last of Us Part Two, do you think those will be cross-gen games? Do you think that will be a way to help shore up things with the PS5 generation in the beginning? I think probably, yeah, because a lot of those games look extremely ambitious and they're being sort of cagey when anyone asks, is this a current-gen game? Is this a next-gen <laughs> game? Some developers are saying, yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to work on this gen, but it's still, to, if we assume, it's all assumptions, right? But if we assume that there's going to be a new console light cycle in the next two to three years, and we are assuming that uh, Death Stranding is not coming out in the next year, then it becomes a safer assumption that probably that's a cross-gen game. The other thing that's interesting, specifically about it being an arms race, is even if it's not an arms race, or even if it is a close race in terms of actual exclusives, there's also the race of public perception, right? This is what we were just talking about of... We know what Microsoft is working on because they're buying game studios and we can assume that, but even if Sony is doing all these things and they got burned by Crackdown and they got <laughs> burned by uh, Scalebound... Or and, Microsoft, you mean. Excuse me, yes, yes, yes yeah. Microsoft. Even if Sony's looking at that and seeing Microsoft getting burned by those things and saying, let's play this generate or this this year, this, this marketing a little closer to our chest so we don't get burned like that, where Xbox is kind of on the back foot and can't do that, they have to be aggressive, it looks like Microsoft has more. And even if they don't, and maybe they do, we don't know, but even if they don't, 
that game of public perception is so important to selling consoles, I feel like. That idea of, wow, Xbox has got a lot going on right now, even if it's not the reality, Sony needs to respond to that in some way, and that's where it does become this sort of arms race of they need to be able to, when we get closer to actually buying these things, show that they at least are thinking about this and showing that they have this stuff. Yeah, with the PS4, they came out of the gate really promising that stable of exclusives and really emphasizing that uh, party of developers. And I do think we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about like our dream PS5 launch games. And I do think we'll probably realistically see things pretty early in the generation of Horizon 2 and God of War mm-hmm. 2. And I think things like that. Do you think, given that Sony Studios, though, have been so emphasized on like building up these franchises, especially in this generation... Um, do you think that that will be enough with maybe one or two really big temple new exclusives and then these re-releases of games? Or uh, th- this is all hypothetical, assuming that they don't have <laughs> seven other games we don't know about in development. But do you think that will be enough to possibly compete with what Xbox seems to be shoring up? I think the re-releases thing is interesting because yeah. we're seeing the very much the shift of of single you know SKUs and and single like a game being a singular object versus sort of an ecosystem mm-hmm. and games as a service uh, for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, but I could see you know games that have like a long tail on them and that have uh, like for instance Hitman the the mm-hmm. new one just came out and that's got uh, that's got a bunch of the it's got a bunch of the the first game included with it it's yeah. effectively Hitman season two. Yeah. Uh, but that jumped from that jump between publishers that jumped from Square to, to uh, WB Games which is kind of incredible uh, and that's a game that's meant to be you know replayed extensively uh, and the episodic thing didn't quite work for them uh, I think when we look back on it like episodic releases for games is going to be looked at kind of the way like the 8-track was like it's sort of <laughs> between it's like between buying a game and buying into a game uh, and I, I think that with the with the sort of cross-platform stuff they're very much going to try to be like okay how do we get you like how do we get you to, to jump onto our, our new hardware and convince you you can bring a bunch of your stuff with you. Like maybe it's like, oh, you've been playing all these other games already. Like let's let's bring some of that with you. Uh, there are obviously going to be a couple of huge big like flagship things along with that. But uh, I mean, we we sort of saw that with uh, with this this generation with with Destiny. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, oh hey, like you know, get your. I mean, obviously GTA Five was like, hey, here's a here, buy it again, suckers. <laughs> like buy the buy the whole goddamn thing. We added cats and peyote. Like. Um, but it's, and people did. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I mean, it, it takes it takes a special game for that though. And like I don't know how many times people will buy the same game over again is is a discussion we're going to have. I think more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, hopefully, like we, I don't know. There's more of a. I think it's going to be a, a, a more gradual shift than we saw last generation. I'm yeah. calling it now. I think Red Dead Redemption Two is going to be one of the best selling games for the PS5 and Xbox Scarlet. That game is going to get remade in two or three years, and people are going to love it. Well, because they don't want to let, especially when Red Dead Online comes out. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so along those lines of sort of a game that has an online ecosystem and then also having these exclusives discussions, what do you think will matter most to setting up this generation for success in that gen? Because I do think with this gen, uh, Xbox and PlayStation bet on very different horses initially. Like Xbox thought the way to get into houses was the all-in-one entertainment platform. And then PlayStation responded with that and being like, no, we're going to have that stuff on the side, but games is going to be what matters. And then the Switch was like, eh, it's just games. Yeah, you just play Mario. Uh, (laughs) Do you think it will be things like exclusives do you think the ability to stream your games will be important like what do you think will be the aspects that will really win over people this gen and will it just be the sort of a repeat of last gen dude i have no idea 
honestly, that <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to me right now because we were seeing this. It's changing. It's very, very much just starting to change in the PC landscape. But there's been this weird sort of moment in gaming for the last couple of years. And maybe this is just my misconception, but it feels very much like we've hit a little bit of a plateau in terms of what people are pushing, like the mm-hmm. limits people are pushing. You see this with PCs, with graphics cards, where people were sort of just kind of, your five-year-old system could run every modern game, and now with RTX, it's trying to push that limit a little bit. And I don't know what that's going to be for P- PlayStation, because clearly people are scared of, or at least apprehensive of the idea of streaming gaming. So if your whole pitch for your console is streaming gaming, I think that'll blow up in your face, at least mm-hmm. right now, maybe not in the... In a little further down the line, I don't. I genuinely don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, I don't. I like that's the thing is I, I've got a PS4 Pro. I'm in no hurry to get a PS5 or whatever yeah. the hell it is. I'm like honestly, I've got an Xbox One S, and I don't really see a need for an X. You know, like it's yeah. it's cool. It's sort of tempting, but at the same time, it's like there's no. There's not enough. There aren't enough bells and whistles, and I have a hard time comprehending what those bells and whistles could actually be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, we're seeing like uh, I don't know when when this current gen launched. Um, games on phones weren't what they are now. Right. Like the biggest game in the world is Fortnite, and that wasn't a thing you could play on your phone. Like it was. It's it's kind of crazy that we're see- like they're putting out Skyrim on phones this this year. Like Blades is effectively <laughs> like you know Skyrim yeah. Lite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that the new iPad when they just announced it, they compared it to the Xbox, to the One S, yeah. is kind of that's kind of like ooh, Apple's like putting their toe in the in the games you know yeah. area. And the whole thing about that is like you you need a phone. Like you need to get a phone. That's a thing that you know you can you can be like this is arguably a, a necessity in in twenty eighteen nineteen whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, a laptop or, or an iPad is kind of the same deal. Where you're like, oh, I need this for school. With a game console, less and less. You mm-hmm. know, like I mean, obviously it's a thing people will you know dedicate to. But if if the advantages or if, if the sort of advances they're making are going to be like, oh, it's going to be now it runs 4K, it does higher frame rate. But in order to do that, you have to spend a whole bunch of money on a new TV. Then why not go into you know PC hardware instead? You know, like there's it's kind of like. It, the the sort of the the margin of of who console gaming is for feels like it's getting a little bit narrower. Totally. And I don't know. Maybe VR is interesting, but like I wanted to ask about know. that too. Like, how do you think that will affect the next generation? Because obviously, PlayStation hasn't seemed to give up on PSVR in any real way, and seems to be doubling down quite a bit recently. Do you think that's going to actually be a driving force for them with PS Five? Because again, it's hard to say. Like. That extra cost. Uh, that feels like if they were like, hey, great news, the PlayStation 5 includes the PlayStation VR 2, it feels an awful lot like the Xbox One with the Kinect added on. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't really want that. I don't need that thing in my living room. Mm-hmm. I think VR is probably going to continue to be a side thing for a little bit. Yeah. I'm I'm not one of the VR haters. I think VR is fantastic when it works, and I think it's getting better every day practically. Mm-hmm. It's just still very early on in that technology's life, and especially something like the PSVR becomes, uh, or, or especially in a couple of years, the future of what PSVR could be is very weird when you have things like Oculus saying, hey, here is a contained VR system in a headset for $200 that you can buy right now. And what is that going to look, how is that going to affect what PSVR is yeah. in two or three years. VR in itself is going to look very different in that amount of time. And also, I guess just on that note, for this is totally getting into speculation uh, territory, but with VR being this field of, you know, Oculus, HTC Vive, PSVR, the console landscape has been sort of the same 
for the last couple generations. Do you think anyone would be crazy enough to try to jump into the console market now? Like, given tech companies' interest in gaming. Isn't, so isn't Intellivision making a console or something they're, like that? They're trying to do, like, kind of an Ouya yeah. sort of thing, I think, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just mean, like, huge companies like Facebook and Google and Amazon, Ooh. like, the way that they obviously... Uh, I feel like they all kind of keep, like, putting a toe in and then being like, oh, never mind, Yeah. You know? Uh, it, I, see, I feel like Facebook, at least with that example specifically, I think they're already trying to do it with the Oculus. Mm-hmm. But if they were going to do a Facebook console, they'd just make it a PC thing. And yeah. It would just all go through Facebook or a mobile thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that there's uh, consoles lose money, right? Consoles still to this day usually are, are a loss that you it's, then make it's up. It's usually a late gen switch where it becomes a profitable thing. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like any tech company nowadays would just say, why wouldn't we just go hard into phone games? Or you see like uh, Google with Chrome streaming. Like you can stream Assassin's Creed Odyssey in your Chrome browser. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone's crazy enough to do it, but I'm not mm-hmm. expecting that. Sure. Yeah. Um, obviously the next generation is not happening this fall or anything like that. Uh, It is a long ways away, but as we see, these companies seem to make big moves in sort of future-proofing. I think it's fascinating to keep this conversation going. And obviously, as we hear a lot more, we'll be sure to talk about it on Beyond. But before we talk about even more, we're going to take a quick break. We're back, and we've multiplied. Oh my god. Barrett Courtney, our producer, is here. Beyond. We bought a Barrett. Yeah. It's our sequel Uh, to We Bought a Zoo. Is that the sequel to We Bought a Zoo? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's kind of a downgrade. (laughs) I'm playing the role. We rented a Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm playing the role of Matt Damon, so this is going to go very well. Oh, I hate that. Barrett, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to take you out of the control cave every now and then. Have you talk about some weird PlayStation stuff. It is true. I do live in a cave. Yes, it's very true. Sad, but true. What are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about our impressions on some games in a little bit, but before we get there, we have a lot of news to discuss. Wanted to just jump around because obviously, always as the show happens, even though we recorded late last week, uh, news broke after that. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we can capture everything that's happened last week or so. So we'll go through it, starting off with the fact that PlayStation kind of released a new PS4 Pro and didn't really tell anyone about it. Um, So Eurogamer put this new console through the test. Essentially what happened was, there's a new PS4 Pro that released with the Red Dead Redemption 2 bundle that you can get. It's not like a special edition console or anything. It doesn't have Red Dead branding on it in any way. But essentially, it's a new model that has a different power supply on it. And so that causes a reduction in the noise it makes. And so like the to give context, like the PS4 Pro, what it usually had was kind of like the thicker uh, like prong going into as the power supply, but now it's the uh, Xbox One X uh, power supply. Yeah, it's the standard like figure eight style input uh, yep. that's used on the Slim, the Xbox One, One X, and then older PlayStation 4 Pros, as you said, use the three prong yeah. uh, mm-hmm. adapter. And so they also introduced sort of like a slightly... Uh, quieter, I think, PS4 Pro with the God of War bundle, but this is even supposed oh, to be even, even quieter. quieter. So they stealth launched the stealthiest stealth. console This yet. is yes. the solid snake of consoles. <gasps> Damn it. Uh, so yeah, they just they totally did this with the with the PlayStation VR too last year, where oh, they yeah. were like they're like, hey, we made a new PlayStation VR. It's got built-in earbuds and a smaller cord and HDR. VR. All of these like yeah. really yeah. cool quality of life things, and Those we're not going to talk about it. You've been asking for. We're just going to put that out there with a bundle and not tell anyone. And then you're like. What? I don't, I don't they, know. They've done that with their handhelds in the past too. I forget if it was the PSP or the Vita, but there were like three iterations of one of them. Oh yeah, in a row that just made things better, but they didn't really tell anyone about them. I mean, they've been doing that a lot just recently. Like even the uh, the search function for PSN was just like, hey, you know how terrible this was for the last like mm-hmm. four years? It's way better now. They want to hide their shame. And like, yeah, exactly. You, it's well, so do you weird. Think that's what it is. Do you think it's them? 
being embarrassed and just saying, hey, it'll just be better from now on? Or do you think it's just they don't want to make a big deal out of something they see as small? I think it's probably just not worth the trouble marketing-wise. Right. Like, I don't think there's any good outcome here. Like, if they make a big publicity thing about it, then people who already shelled out money for a regular PS4 are like, they, they're like mad about it. And yeah. yeah. Then people who are in the market for one are confused about which version to get. Yeah. So it's kind of just better to be like, it's just out there. I know that even going back to the PlayStation 1, there were like different iterations of the of the SKU, of the, of the sort of serial number. And huh. there was like the earliest ones you could buy like... I mean, you know, ask me how I know this. You could buy like plug-in mod <laughs> chips off of eBay that would play like burned games if you jammed a pencil in the thing to hold the. You know, how do you know this, Max? <laughs> what were the olden days like? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you could take your games out and put them in the CD player. That was this thing we used before Spotify. It was wild. Um, but no, uh, like there was that, and then I remember like same deal with um, with Vita. Like frequently they use it to sort of combat piracy, where yeah. like earlier versions of the Vita, you could hack them and then put a bunch of downloaded games on there. Like Transformers, the movie. That's a that's my favorite. Guy. That's the go to. Yeah, <laughs> to pay money for that. Sorry, Transformers, the movie. I hope, really, I hope that little franchise pulls through. It um, will someday. But no, I mean, like that's that's always been the case, and I, it's kind of weird to see it with sort of this because they make a big a big fuss about the iterative like properties of like oh it's the PS4 Pro, and then they're like, but here's like the PS4 like Pro point five. Yeah, mm. I. I feel like it was a big deal, at least for the IGN audience. The article itself and our coverage of it did pretty well, and I think that's more of the a side effect of just the way we talk about games now versus like when they were doing that with older systems. It's just like every PlayStation fan can comment on that, can read about it, can look at that, whereas in the past it wasn't such a noticeable thing. Real talk, real quick. I will take a five decibel louder PS4 to keep my three prong plug. I love that thing. Really? I Why? use it because I it works on my PlayStation Three. It works on mm. my monitors. It mm. is a universal plug Weird for me. PC man. Yeah. It, if I lose that plug, I have to unplug other things. If I'm swapping the PS4, it's just a but big it gets deal. Like quieter. I disagree though because I have a, I have an old Vita charger where like the 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 Vita plug end is all frayed, so I can just unplug the figure eight out of that, and I have a spare PlayStation Four. This is all hypothetical. We're not going to buy a new PS4 Pro <laughs> yeah. for the sake of the power supply. Yeah, it could also be like a supply and demand thing. Like mm. Maybe it was cheaper to get like a newer part, and they were like, yeah. let's, Let's buy some of those leftover Xbox One X cables. Yeah, and just happen to like help them out yeah. in that very specific set of loudness. Uh, for reference, if you're looking for this specific PS4 Pro in the holidays, its uh, serial number is CUH7200. That would be the model it is. The so all the moms and dads out there looking to buy their kids the presents. Look for the CUH7200. Yeah. See you at the store for a CUH7200. One of those weeks. Talking about the <laughs> new quieter... PlayStation. Oh, we have more to go through. There's Good more. Word. There's more. Uh, PUBG is coming to PS4. Uh, PS4. Ah, they're PS4 timely. Pro. Yeah, finally. Yes, but are there going to be Suicide Squad skins that I can buy for $45? <laughs> there will be, if you pre-order, uh, Nathan Drake Desert Outfit from the Uncharted series. Ooh. You may not know. And no, Ellie's backpack from The Last of Us to use in-game. They got me, man. They, like they really did. I'm pictures. convinced now high res to play the game show. that's no longer irrelevant. If you look at the video, uh, yeah. you can probably see that we have images on the screen <laughs> on my paper. Our beautiful, beautiful yeah, I didn't images. Get a little bit of glare. Enough, so. They are nice skins. And they it's cool. interesting, though. Yeah. It's funny because you're right, Barrett. The game is sort of, since Call of Duty yeah. well, and since Fortnite, I, has totally fallen off. I did want to ask about that in general. Like, 
obviously Fortnite has dominated, and now that it's finally cross-play, that's less of an issue. Yeah, and like Black PS4. Ops is like on all the consoles. Blackout is doing very well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so the like, and that was co- sort of the uh, like Fortnite had its like very specific audience, and so and there was always kind of the war between PUBG is the hardcore people and the Fortnite or the millennials, and then millennials. Uh, Call of Duty finally came out, and it was that like kind of nights in between where there's silly shit like zombies and all this whatnot, but it's actually like a kind of hardcore mechanical, uh, mechanical wise, like shooter. So I, I just don't understand why PUBG is now just what? coming out. Is it, and it's is, also, is it fun fact, December 7th, same day Smash Brother comes wow. out. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible idea. And there it's, it's for sale, right? You have to buy it? Yes. Yeah, yes. It. Not, so, so wait a minute. So you're telling me <laughs> I could get the free game that's the biggest game in the world and I could play as maybe Thanos. I think that's a limited that's time not off. Yeah, that's not happening. But it had yeah. Thanos in it. Or I could pay money and get a game that's kind of like that. You can with Harley Quinn and the Joker. But it's got the Joker yeah. and Harley from 2016's The Suicide Squad. Was that 2016? Yeah. yeah. The, excuse me. Excuse me. Oscar winner Suicide Squad. Oscar winning <laughs> Suicide Squad. You'll be able to play as a Niffler now in PUBG. They're tying <laughs> into Fantastic Beasts. That's not true. Uh, yeah, it's available in four different SKUs. The first like base one is $30 uh, US dollars. And then they have a looters digital edition survivors digital edition and champions digital edition which go up oh man yeah this is like this is so sort of like too little too late i mean yeah, yeah. that's the story of PUBG though because yeah. the, the, the thing is the reason blackout was so exciting is because it is essentially PUBG made by a developer who can do things quickly at a high And know high how to budget. run like a game well on a console. That was also the biggest thing. That is, is that, a big like, thing, yeah. It, it was not, has that not even been well. fixed like for the most part on it is Xbox? You can find out on December 7th when it's on PS4. Do you guys remember DayZ? Remember that little game? No. That sort of yeah. spun off into becoming PUBG sort of? Yeah, um, maybe. I remember when like they first showed off the UI for the PlayStation 4 one little detail that jumped out at me was like the username for one of the people was like Daisy 100 or something. And mm. it was like, oh, they're going to bring Daisy to PS4. And then it was like announced that Microsoft had like console exclusivity for that or something. And it wound up not happening, I guess. It happened like a while later, I think. It, it, yeah. it, it did eventually come. Yeah. Did it ever, I don't even, yeah. It yeah. kind of evaporated and, you know, every, people moved around and everything. But like it's. It's kind of weird that we're at a point where battle royale stuff is like is so big that it's like there's not really any space for you got I mean it's much like battle royale you kind of have to kick ass or you know get out of there yep. permanently. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'll be curious to see. It is weird there were like a lot of leaks leading up to this announcement where PUBG was official. There was like an Amazon listing, some mm. other things. So I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be a Game Awards announcement and gotcha. if it was it won't be anymore because they've officially revealed it. But along those lines of the battle royale thing just a quick thought too. I just I'm imagining uh Jeff uh, Keighley <laughs> just like at the at the awards show and he's like an ex- world exclusive PUBG is coming to PS4. Like he totally he just, just missed didn't this get the announcement. Memo. Yeah. One like- person. <laughs> um, with that whole sort of battle royale thing, I do have that question of too little, too late, or just coming too late to the party. Do you think that'll be the same for Battlefield's uh, battle royale Oof. that's coming? Do you think with it launching so many months after Blackout? No. So I no. think that because Battlefield does have like obviously there are people who play Call of Duty, there's people who play Battlefield. Like it's got its existing user base. Yeah. Uh, you know, plenty of those people are mad at this version of Battlefield for their various reasons. Mm. Uh, I'm, I was really into Battlefield One. I'm kind of lukewarm on this one. I'll probably check it out. But mm. like the thing is, is Battlefield's been doing vehicles a lot longer 
than Call of Duty has. Yeah, uh, that's a big part of Battlefield. They're they're used to making big, huge open maps. So like, there's a difference in kind of the the game philosophy. So if anything's better suited for battle royale in terms of big AAA shooters, it is hands down Battlefield over Call of Duty. Whether or not they actually manage to stick the landing, being late to the party is another story. Yeah, entirely. it's definitely because they're also didn't they delay the battle royale mode for yeah specifically yeah. that mode isn't coming until early next year what, yeah, what they, they, wouldn't, say. they wouldn't release a game that wasn't fully polished and finished they who do you no one's ever done yeah. that <laughs> what i will say is the there there could be a tortoise and the hare sort of win for PUBG here. PUBG has been around for a long time. They mm. develop and update that game consistently but very very slowly. That's kind of what we've that's what Fortnite exposed about PUBG was, hey, you can update a battle royale every week and yeah. people will be into it and if you can maintain that pace and PUBG can't maintain that pace. Yeah. So there could be a tortoise in the hare thing because Call of Duty and Battlefield are in no offense to Call of Duty or Battlefield players, at all intended. But Send your hate mail to Tom. <laughs> those, those games are used to shorter attention spans in that a new one comes out every year. Mm -hmm. And we still don't have the answer to that question of what does Blackout look like this time next year? Yeah. What does Firestorm look like? I think that's the name of the Battlefield one. This time next year. And honestly, in a year... Those games could be abandoned or moved on to the next one or whatever, and PUBG will still be trucking. I don't mm. necessarily know if that means that's what's going to happen, but it could mm -hmm. be that this—that's a world we live in. The other thing For is sure. is also like with with PUBG and with Fortnite. I mean, sort of different different animals there, but like they're this is games as a service. You know, with, with PUBG, you you buy the game once. And then it, you have it. You, you're updated. That's yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Whereas with Battlefield, like you're going to buy Battlefield Five, uh, eleven months from now, it's going to be you know, $8 with all the DLC or whatever, <laughs> and then they're going to have a new one on the way? Or yeah. Battlefront 3. And there there have been, yeah. like, theories about uh, with Battlefield and Call of Duty of if this is, like, if Blackout is just this one mode that they kind of just update um, and, like, they keep that as a games of service and then kind of, like, re like, release new multiplayer modes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I actually, thinking about it, um, I think that it'll be interesting to see like a battle royale, have a new edition every year. Blackout mm -hmm. two. Yeah, yeah. It's so like it's gonna be like that because I think they're not gonna make major changes to like if they do like themed changes to the map. I I like I can see that, but like they're gonna make an entirely new different type of map for um for the next year's blackout. And if stuff. they and do I, it all, I mean, yeah, and that's a weird question of yeah. like how do they survive in an industry like in a genre that's mainly perceived as a games of service when they're um, kind of always releasing a new game every year. So it'll be really interesting to yeah. see, like exactly you both were saying, uh, how these games look in a year from now. I, it's okay, Barry. You did you did your best. I speak words. I believe in you. I did two extra uh, lives in the last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> how you're alive, I don't know. Uh, of course, we'll yeah, be extra lives. Hey. hey. I'm not high-fiving you. It definitely <laughs> was an intentional setup. Uh, <clears throat> moving on to some of the other news of the week. Spider-Man's next DLC, Turf Wars, has a release date. We kind of knew this last week because the game itself in the main menu accidentally revealed the release date. I was really hoping this one was going to be about the tennis turf. It is not about the tennis turf. Damn. 
I'm sorry about it. <laughs> it is called Turf Wars. It releases November 20th, so right before Thanksgiving in the U.S., and it, it focuses essentially on Hammerhead, the villain who, um, spoilers going into the heist Spider-Man's first DLC, Hammerhead is first teased in that DLC and sort yep. of becomes a, seems to be... And to be fair, he's teased in like the first 30 seconds. Yes, DLC, yeah, it's, so. it's pretty obvious that he's in there. Uh, but in addition to what there will be like new missions, new challenges, uh, new trophies, sort of what they promise with the first DLC, there are another three new costumes. They include the Iron Spider Armor Suit, the Spider Armor MK1, as well as a new animated suit. It's called the Spider-Clan Suit. It's pulled from the Marvel Mangaverse comic books. And just with the, the it's the OG like Iron Spider from like the Civil War comic. Yes, yeah. yeah. The Spider-Clan one is so cool looking. But like, it, it's so it. weird because it's not like a very like... I don't know, like definitive looking Spider-Man costume. It, it's not like as, it's cool looking. It's not He's as got a short like, sleeve shirt. I do like it. Like <laughs> short sleeve Spider-Man. I think it's gonna be really. Funny Max to is not into it. Uh-huh. He's not. I think into I vaguely anime. remember that. Like I, when they did that, I feel like he's supposed to be like have an entirely different anatomy though. Mm. I really wish that it was like so much. Of that game is is depends on like on the actual like collision physics and and having like Spider-Man's body. Yeah. I just would love Peter Porker. Like, I don't yes. care if it breaks the game. Like, yeah. I love, like when you put in, like, uh, you know, like GTA 5 cheats and you're like, oh, it's the pig riding a motorcycle and it just, like, you know, bends its leg around. Like, I don't care. Like, charge me $6 and I will get a Peter Porker thing that I'm just thinking around of, and clips through buildings. Thinking of that, they're probably going to do some sort of Spider-Verse integration, I would assume, with December. Ooh, like, they, they might as well use a suit from Spider-Verse yeah, in the game. Yeah. Uh, but first of all, so those are our opinions on the suits real quick. Um, so, yeah, the story will focus on Hammerhead having declared war against the other Dons of the Magia, yes, Turf War. Wow. Uh, and we'll be utilizing the equipment. The tennis. He'll be wow. utilizing equipment that was left behind by Sable, so you'll ah, have to fight cool. Sable. Instead of actually Sorga making soldiers. new enemy types, we'll just put these enemy types with Sable guns to make hey, them Barrett, seem harder. Barrett, why don't you harder. make a video game, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, Barrett, I know you... <laughs> I don't have a retort. I almost did, but I don't. <laughs> Uh, Barrett, I know you played, and we'll get to that in a second. Have both of you played the first Spider-Man DLC at all? No, you were saying that it, it felt sort of like the first part of sort of a story that I should maybe yeah. save it yeah, up. I was, yeah, I, I recommend to people like who haven't played the first one yet to wait until all three are out just to kind of... I, I think it might be a little more satisfying to experience all back-to-back. Yeah, I've played Heist. I haven't played the base game, though. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm so you enjoyed that. That's a joke. I'm waiting. As Who well. invited you? <laughs> Who are all these violent, colorful men? <laughs> um, it's curious to see. I So my longstanding theory has been that they were going to delay DLCs 2 and 3 just because it seemed like such a crazy schedule of releases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they have stuck to it with 2. Do we think that 3 will stick to it and come out in December and wrap this all up as a nice little bow toward the end of the year? You and Goldfarb are so animate that like that is going to get delayed. I just I think they will want to like take their time and care, especially with the final act of this. And if that means it gets pushed by two weeks, it means it gets pushed. I think it that comes out in December. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, but how did, how did you feel in not just the fact that it was a first chapter? How did you feel in general about the DLC? And are you looking forward to the second DLC chapter? I I really liked the the first chapter, um, but that update in general in that week where they updated the new game plus and uh, the ultimate mode, and then they added that uh, added a whole flurry of new bugs to that game that mm. did not exist in, uh, when the f- main game originally came out. So that was a little frustrating. But uh, the new DLC is really fun. It adds like kind of, kind of like. Like the main game, it adds like a new layer of uh, what they're building for for Spider Man, and uh, in a really cool, creative way. And it's a new layer, yeah, like a spider layer. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of bugs do they add? <laughs> the beetle, cockroaches. Yeah. 
the 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 scorpion, the spider slayer. Max, I'm too tired to process what you're doing right now. Well, that's just Max just throwing things at you, and you're like, yes, um, yes, yes, things. those things. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I am excited for this one. I'm excited to see like what their main interpretation of Hammerhead will be because again, he was only really teased in the first one. So, um, and then I'm interested to see where this all comes into in the third one. Silver lining. Yeah, yeah, we we kind of have a hint there of who that'll. Tie in. Well, and especially yeah. the fact that Sable. Quicksilver. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just a silver, silver surfer. surfer. Yep. <laughs> they go that into would be the cosmos. Incredible. <laughs> if that's how it, it just goes from Hammerhead, a local crime boss, to Silver Surfer. Yeah, that would be, that'd be, that'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd yeah. be totally down for that. <laughs> like, They're like, not going to do it. Like, video game stories have taken bigger leaps. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just like all right, whatever. That'd be it's good just like that. a physics glitch. You just fly into space. And like, Whoa. <laughs> And then uh, a cutscene starts. Just have to yeah. do like a quick time event against Galactus. And like, All right. <laughs> I'd, I'd love that. Uh, it, it will probably turn instead into Silver Sable, but we'll find out more about that as it comes. And stay tuned to more on Turf Wars from IGN, of course. Turf Wars. Turf Wars. Uh, moving on, the Game Awards Game Award nominees have been announced. Uh, God Wait, of War. What was that again? The Game Awards. Game Award nominees have been announced. Uh, the games up for awards at the Game Awards have been announced. Stop saying that. Certain games will be given awards in December. Those awards will have been revealed, at least who will be nominated for those awards for the games that will be available currently and in the future as part of the Game Awards 2018. God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 tied for the most number of nominations. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Slow down a second. The Game Awards is giving what to what? <laughs> They're giving awards to games? games? Yes. <laughs> Breaking uh, news. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I like that I just broke <laughs> you there, Max. Uh, God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2 were tied for the most nominations for this year. Woo. They are both nominated for Game of the Year, as is Marvel's Spider-Man and also Celeste. Shout out Woo. to Tom Yeah. Marks. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Shout out to Greg Miller. And Monster Hunter World. Shout out to Casey DeFridis. Uh, um, those are all the Game of the Year nominees. I, I understand uh, where they come because I was looking at kind of like the nitty gritty awards and whatnot. I understand that it just came out, but I am a little sad that Tetris Effect was not nominated for amazing sound design or best sound design because it's incredible. You, it's cr incredible. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about Tetris Effect a bit more this uh, this coming episode. Damn right. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but before we get there, the game awards that are giving out awards to games. Uh, <laughs> Also, for best performance, I just wanted to put in a slight nod. Both Christopher Judge, who voiced and performed as Kratos, and then Yuri Lowenthal, who was Peter Parker in Marvel's Spider-Man, have both been nominated. And also uh, the dude who played um, the, the robot uh, detective. Brian Deckard as Connor in Detroit yeah. Become Human has also been nominated. I did like that character. Yeah. And also for the VR AR category, all five games are available or will be with Beat Saber coming to PlayStation Plus. I'm trying to find them amongst all of the nominees. Uh, but also, I believe three of the nominees were PSVR exclusive. Ooh. So it's, it's a good year is for Astrobot PSVR. Astrobot on there? Astrobot is on there. Firewall uh, is on there as well. What about Moss? Moss was on there as well. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so good year for PlayStation exclusives all around. Uh, obviously, these are not representative of what IGN's Game of the Year nominees and awards will be. Uh, we will have more information for those as they come about. Mm. But it's nice mm. to see the PlayStation exclusives so well represented yep. in these awards. Uh, moving on to things that were maybe not nominated because they came out a little too late, but we're going to talk about them. This is Or a maybe that they're just... How dare you? There is a crazy release week, ha week happening right now. Uh, 
a few of the things that are coming out this week. Uh, Hitman 2, we won't touch on too much, but that is also out this week. One of the ones I want to get to, as you may have told, been able to tell by what is on the table in front of us, if you're watching the video. Crash Spire. Bandicoot. Oh. <laughs> Barrett, get out of here. Uh, Spyro Reignited Trilogy is available on PS4 and Xbox One. I reviewed it. I gave it an 8.5. I called it great. I think it is an awesome... Um, wonderful collection that really elevates those original games with such a brand new, gorgeous, colorful style. And I know all of you have had a chance to play it and I want to hear your thoughts. It's just pure joy. Mm -hmm. I just got into that game and I wasn't even a huge Spyro person when, like I played the first game a little bit uh, and then I never played two or three and I got into this one expecting, we've seen a lot of HD remasters of stuff and I was kind of expecting something sort of clunky but cool and this just feels really lovely and polished and fun and friendly and you gushed about this beforehand that (laughs) all the dragons that you save are all these unique beautifully designed dragon characters yeah and it just is there's so much heart in this game and honestly i feel like it kind of holds up the actual gameplay feels a little dated but it doesn't feel absurdly so i was gonna say like if you told me this was a brand new game that was just aimed at you know younger gamers i'd be like all right yeah fair enough like it's it's really really tight it's nothing revolutionary or anything but it's definitely it's it's a fun game what's really interesting is they had to recreate all the gameplay from scratch i've talked to a few toys for bob developers whereas with vicarious visions was able to they were luckily able to use naughty dogs like the wire mesh sort of versions of a lot of the levels they were able to stick to some of the original code toys for bob didn't have any of the original code from insomniac games uh to use for this they did like get the blessing of insomniac and everything but the code wasn't available to use and so what they did was they created this program called spiroscope where mm. essentially they used a version of the game put this program into it and it tracked all of the math going on for like how high a jump is where enemies are placed how a gem moves Amazing. and so they so they re- basi- they like virtually rotoscoped or like or mocapped a game yes sort of? yeah and they basically recaptured and that's why they were <laughs> able to build everything so properly into scale and have his mannerisms and his motions make so much sense if you are a longtime player. So oh, having so having cool. like been like a longtime player, yeah. you have that muscle memory of sort of how things should feel. Yes. How different would you say it feels when you jumping into it? It feels nearly identical in the sense of like his glide and his charge moves and the the length of the fire. I had actually forgotten his fire is pretty forgiving when you spit it at enemies. There's a pretty long distance and so I forgot that. And so I was getting hit by a lot of enemies early on because I realized, oh yeah, you can still be further back. And that's how it was back then. Mm. And so they really retained a lot of that. The only real big difference, and it's both a good and a slight bad, but not really, is that these games weren't playable with analog sticks before on the, they weren't designed with analog sticks in mind. So the camera was on triggers for the original PlayStation. It was, and the, it was the bumpers. It was the L1, Or bumpers, R1. yeah, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, and the movement was obviously stuck to the D-pad. So here you have a lot better movement with him and you can also really angle the camera better for a lot of jumps. So that it's takes... still kind of jarring though to play it on. Yeah. Like, uh, like you and I, you had me play the first one uh, for the very first time for a Let's Play earlier this year. Yeah. And so, like after playing it for a bit, I was kind of able to get used to like the L1, R1, bullcrap uh, PS1 <laughs> controls. And it was just jarring to go into this and be like oh god like the joystick actually works and it moves properly but like i'm trying to mentally get used to it um and also just because now everything is very beautiful like the depth perception is off for me now Mm -hmm. where like i was able to get used to those dumb sheep dogs and uh (laughs) now i'm not like they like i get too a little too close to them so they jump on me and i'm like damn it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it, suck. it is nice. You do lose a little bit. Like some of the jumps I thought were easier now because you can do that. But on the whole, it retains 
that muscle memory super well. Like it kicked cool. in. It was wonderful. It's also really nice to play right now. Like I've been kind of surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. And I think it's because it's like a pretty simple video game. Yeah. Like it's not it's not Red Dead Redemption. It's not like a huge, massive, sprawling world that's yeah. full of serious ethical choices. And I would say that this and gameplay is more intuitive than Red Dead Redemption. You okay, Barrett, calm down. You make a video game. Um, it's it's but, easy to dip Barrett in and out of, the right? show, you just make a video game. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to like just jump into a level, grab the collectibles, and go yeah. to and just take a break. You know, it's, if you want. It's also weird. Like I, I played a lot of Crash Bandicoot as a kid. Like I really, I was into that, and I was also like that was kind of when I was sort of you know I was like I was like I could also play Metal Gear Doom. Like I was like I'm trying <laughs> to be like a grown up, you know, and I was like 12 or whatever. Um, and Crash Bandicoot is like is still very rigid in how it plays. Like it's very, it's much more. I, I think it has more in common with like a two dimensional platformer than like. Right. especially the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're kind of on like set tracks. Um, this is so much more of a game about just like kind of you know floating around and jumping and exploring and chilling out and just it's very it's like very forgiving and I I I sort of wish that I'd played like Spyro more as a kid. You know, yeah. like I wish that I'd checked it out and gotten into it. Um, and I take back all of those things I said about Spyro on all those forums. Yes, <laughs> you don't need to go look them up. I I take them back. I don't. I didn't mean any of those things that I said about Spyro the Dragon or any of his friends. Especially that kangaroo. I don't mean those things. How dare you say that about Sheila? Yeah, I would say that that's one thing that does. There are some of the characters are just like a little bit, a little bit too sexy in 2018. You're just sort of like, what are you doing over there? They upped them a little bit. I mean, kind of Disney afternoon things. Going back to the dragons, (laughs) the the dragons in the first game that they've recreated, there are some buff dragons in that game. I think. How come they're all like men? Why do, where the, where are the women dragons? They're like, yeah. what is up with that? I don't know. But did, I did you ask any of them about that? Where are the, <laughs> the mother dragons? No, it didn't weird me out until you said eggs, and it's now like a, I'm very no. weirded yeah. out. It's like well, a Jurassic Park scenario where like life finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> life finds a way. So my whole thing about this is the fact that they put so much into fleshing out the world. Like they obviously used what Insomniac created, but they've given so much more detail in life and kind of like lore to a lot of it and of who these characters are. Like they must be able, you could make a Saturday morning cartoon of Spyro now. Like you could, there is the Skylander show, but specifically a Spyro show or something like that. I don't think this is the end of Spyro now. Like, do you think we're going to see a new Spyro, new crash, especially given the warm reception to both of these trilogies, the sales success of crash, that still is like the number one game in the UK. I think somewhere. that like it's children crazy. today are, are probably much too sensitive for Crash Bandicoot, who's just extreme. Mm-hmm. He's very too extreme. Borderline frightening. Spyro skateboards. Spyro's like a he's like a good he's like a edgy kid for the youth group. Like he's yeah. like <laughs> and he's voiced by SpongeBob, so the kids can get familiar Tom with Kenny. him. Yeah. yeah. Here's our our Spyro impressions. Hey, it's me, the dragon. I'm on a skateboard. <laughs> I got to the part where you get on a skateboard, and I was like, oh, I'm in a Gogurt commercial. This is <laughs> peak '90s. I think I'm very interested to see how this game sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one difference is I hope we don't see more Crash. No offense to Crash fans, but Crash Tom, compared to Spyro, out, Crash is a bad game now. You're a bad game. He's like, also upsetting as a roasted. man. He's got he, like his little. I understand. I will stand. I will stand by this. He looks like if John Cena was a werewolf. It's kind of true, actually. <laughs> but no, I think Crash Bandicoot does not hold up at all in Why 2018. I, I think Spyro does. 
<laughs> I don't know why you did. Yeah, I don't think Crash Is it because of all of Crash Bandicoot's uh, politically incorrect views? <laughs> yes. It's 100% that. No. Um, it's because you're running... It's because... Okay, you know why? I'll tell you why. It's because, because Spyro game, voted for Bernie. Any game where you are running at the camera mm-hmm. is a bad game. There's a lot okay, of games that do that, that to the to Uncharted this day. 2. Yep. 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 How dare you talk about Naughty, Naughty Dog games that do that to this day. Yeah. So that's just... You know, that's will, on I will ping them that for the... For that to this day, yeah. it's part of the Last game. of Us is a bad game, and and I want to separate. Wow, real quick. wow, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't don't burn me on the internet. I'm sorry, uh, the, Ronnie. Please the, edit out him saying I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm editing this. Damn it, Ronnie, edit it now. The, and I will say the Crash Bandicoot remake and the remaster. I think it. I think it was lovely and really, really well made. I just don't think that that game holds up very well, and I think Spyro does. So between the two, I'd choose more Spyro any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And I choose to not have you on the show anymore. Wow. But it's been a no. <laughs> I said so many nice things. It's and okay. You guys focused on the bad ones. That's how. Welcome to the internet. What was your art? You just you're like I don't think they should make any games. Like were you? They shouldn't. Wait, are you saying they should make Crash Bandicoot? I'm, he said if they remake one of these games, or if they could, would you think that they would continue to make more new ones? I don't think I would want to see. And you more think new that Crash. Spyro is too sexualized? What you were getting at? <laughs> <laughs> I think that Spyro needs to put on a shirt. It's 2018, yeah. and that's that's all I can say. But then he wouldn't have any pants on. <laughs> I think the Crash Winnie Bandicoot the does it. Donald if Duck Winnie it. the Pooh yeah. is still humble and, and nice, and then Spyro can do Winnie it. Winnie the Pooh's theme song is Humble by Kendrick Lamar, if so that makes sense. <laughs> what uh, has happened? <laughs> obviously, uh, you can read more about my thoughts about Spyro Reignited Trilogy on IGN.com. Uh, the review is on YouTube.com slash IGN as well. Be sure to check it out. And obviously, if there's any more news, Spyro news in the future, we'll keep you updated. It has been a long year since this egg first showed up in the mail yes, to this office. We were like, it hasn't hatched yet. a new Spyro, Spyro game? I don't believe a minute I don't of believe that at all. Hey, I got a question, though, real, real yeah. quick. Uh, did they have... So, I was playing uh, Year of the Dragon. You go around collecting all those eggs. Yeah. Did they all have names in the original? Yes. Are they the same names? I think so. Okay. Did all the dragons in the in the, the, the first one have the names? They had names, but they did not have the level of detail they have. It was like uh, the same yeah. six dragon models reused okay. over and over. Yeah. So, these are all like 100% original it was like, it was like Mortal Kombat ninjas, and they just went in and they added like new belts and stuff. Different on paints, them. yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now they're all brand new. So I'm looking forward to them expanding that universe even it's, more. It's weird that one of the dragons was like in the first one, they're all like, ah, it's like Mjolnir and Fanfar and stuff. And then in the, you can start collecting eggs. And the third one, they're like, Vanessa, Bob, <laughs> Craig, Jim, Claire. <laughs> what did you like lose the Norse mythology book? Dennis. <laughs> I think the Insomnia Games team probably just changed a lot from Norse gods to Americans. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to another release of this week, Fallout 76 coming to PS4. Barrett, you've played a lot of the beta. Played so much of the beta. Do you look hollowed right now? I am an empty man because of how much I've played this game. Tell uh, me about your general thoughts first off. It's not good. The, Why not? And that's my personal opinion. Uh, the right, reason Barrett, that... You, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I've been giving a lot of sour uh, hot take today, and that's because I, I've had four hours of sleep. I'm usually not this mean, but uh, today I am going to be. Um, and so the, the reason that Fallout is interesting uh, in these past games is because of the world that has been built and the characters that live in that world that you know Bethesda has specifically crafted to live in this world. When you take those two things out and then make it a multiplayer game, I don't know what you, you, you don't grab me anymore. And that's just like, that's been my frustration. Um, and then, like, you know, I've expected Bethesda jank that you always kind of have to expect those with Fallout games. But then, like, that with an added level of like, 
oh, we can't reach the server. You got to just freeze here in the middle of fighting enemies, and then you're going to sit here for 30 seconds. This is like a lot of little things uh, like that that frustrate me. Um, but to give it credit where credit's due, like they – there are places on the map that make you want to go explore, and uh, that's you know that's another kind of temple of Fallout. So I, I will give it that. But the the other two things I feel like makes this world feel lifeless and empty, and that bumps me out. And uh, speaking yeah. a little bit to that, like there are interesting areas to explore. Do you feel like some of it is like does it still retain a lot of the Fallout essence that you've enjoyed in the past? Like what does and doesn't it keep? I mean, like uh, for. What do you mean? Like, uh, like on a gameplay level or an exploratory level? I mean, level, do gameplay you think? level, it's like, it's pretty much the same. Just like mm -hmm. the major thing is like Vats is in real time now, which I thought was how's interesting. That, how's that Vats? And, and so the way they've reworked Vats is it's all in real time and you don't actually like really aim anywhere. It'll just give you a percentage of how likely you are to hit an enemy. You could be aiming like this way like up towards the sky and like if the enemy is in your frame of reference and it says like 80% you could shoot up there and then like eight, eight times out of 10 it'll hit the enemy or whatnot. It's if really you're, weird. If you're aiming down sights at an enemy without using VATS, mm. are you 100% chance to hit them if they're right in your scope? Uh, you know I, mean? I, I haven't really paid attention to that if I feel like it has been. like and I, So what I'm asking is yeah. could VATS potentially make you less likely to hit a thing? <laughs> Pro yes, I believe so. And like the the thing <laughs> is like new. a lot of a lot of this game is, you know, survival based and whatnot, and which I think is a cool like I don't think they really implemented on it well, but I think that's a cool idea to have in a Fallout game. Um and it, it reminds me of uh Metal Gear Survive where you're doing like you're kind of like you have to eat and drink stuff like way too often and you have to like kind of rebuild all this stuff like way too often. Um and the the thing with kind of like the mechanically is I think like all kind of weapons you have to rely more on melee which I think is interesting um were you, that's not really a fallout thing were you playing solo or with other people in the office like what was your experience it was mainly solo mm -hmm. um I was playing between Xbox and PS4 and uh Graber and I were on the hunt to do very specific feature stuff so we didn't really have a lot of time to play together do you think um, it would be more fun if you played with with people I have no idea. Um, that actually might be a great question for the the uh, UK boys because I know all of them have been playing together, mm. um, and I know uh, Brandon Tyrell has also been like playing like on and off with uh, with people and just by himself. So I I think that could be maybe if you have like a solid group of people that you know you want to play this game with, it might be worth it. But definitely after the fifteen to twenty mm. hours I've played of this beta, I was just like meh. Not for me. Do you think you'll go back to the full game now that it's out, maybe try to play with people, or do you feel like just the experience you've had with the beta so far? No, really nah, I think I, I think I'm sour to this point, okay. and like I'm just not a. Again, I'm just not a multiplayer guy. So if it, if that sounds like kind of up your alley, maybe it is like actually a really great kind of like version of this uh, type of genre, but yeah, sure. it's not grabbing me. Uh, well, we'll also have impressions from Brandon Tyrell, like you mentioned. He did our beta impressions, yep. and I believe he's doing our full review. And Barrett just. Why don't you go make a game? Yeah, why don't you go make a game? Or why don't you build fun. a house in Fallout seventy six? Huh? <laughs> do you think it's do you think it's like a fun game to just like screw around in? Because obviously we've seen like like I feel like Fallout four initially really disappointed me in terms of like being a Fallout game, but mm. clearly that was sort of a chemistry set slash sort of toy box for a lot of people to like build mm. stuff in, and right. people went completely nuts with that. And you'd see like, oh, this guy made a 
like a roller coaster or like a you know Rube Goldberg machine. Do you think like that kind of people would really latch onto this and and enjoy that like that level of you know screwing around with friends and? I think it depends on like what people can find because again I've only had like a limited amount of time. So if there is enough in that world which I really haven't experienced, um, there might be a lot of stuff that like the building stuff uh, seems a little more kind of the same of like in Fallout 4 it's just like the building itself is a little more easier and makes a way more sense this time around and feels better oh. whereas I, I know like a lot of people's problem with the building in Fallout 4 was like it feels clunky and not intuitive and what's and so they have improved on that how are the mothmen <laughs> I've not run into a mothman no oh, that's all I want to play that game Bullshit. for is I love the mothman <laughs> <laughs> that is what about the giant slothman I haven't seen a sloth, too. You're I remember seeing that in the trailer. I was like, I'll play this game for the giant sloth man. Maybe you're just bad at it. They didn't make a sloth man film about with Richard Gere, though. <laughs> Mothman Prophecy is a good movie. <laughs> I have no way to move on from that. So we're just going to jump right into our thoughts about Tetris Effect. Uh, we talked about the demo a bit last week. The game is out in full. It came out last Friday uh, from when this episode is publishing. And we'll get to all of our thoughts on it in a second. What I want to say, as has been written down on this paper... For the love of God, play Tetris Effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this game is so good. This Can is we talk about this game? game? Uh, I can't believe how, like, going into the end of the year, if you had told me a new Tetris game would be on my like shortlist for game of the year, I would not have said, "Oh yeah, definitely," because I I love Tetris, but I just assumed it'd be more Tetris. This feels like so much more. What do you guys think about it, though? Yeah, seconded. Yeah. Uh, I you know I, I knew it looked cool. Tetris fundamentally is a cool thing. It's fun to play, but like as far as how much of like a kick in the ass this game would be, mm. uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Uh, it's I, I don't know. It's it it adds enough to keep it engaging in a way that feels new and fresh. Yeah. Uh, it I I woke up I played it later than I should have last night, and then I woke up early to play it this morning. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, and then I desperately resisted playing it at work like it's just like yeah. i want to go home and play it more of it it's it's just it, there's something about it that just feels like it's both relaxing and enthralling which is you know you say, the same could be said about vanilla tetris but in this case it's like paired with a bunch of stuff you haven't seen before uh it's just phenomenal in or out of vr so yeah um i've been championing this game ever since the beta came out um i was with a bunch of friends just telling them like oh game of the year contender uh Tetris effect you know like go play that um which i again i don't want to represent that like that's actually going to be for you for me it's definitely top 10 um yeah it's a weird it's a weird trip and i'm like it makes me wonder of like how people experienced tetris for the first time uh when it originally <laughs> came out of like was it because Tetris has been like such a staple in the the industry of like were people like this like kind of mind blown about like what this game was and then now we have this like weird modern millennial version with EDM slash Angels and Airwaves like music in it with like a bunch of uh, dolphins floating in your face and stuff. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Delirious Why'd right now. Why'd you say that like a stepdad? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. I've had four hours of sleep. If, God. if I can, because I've played the demo, and uh -huh. I've very much enjoyed the demo, but I'd like to play Devil's Advocate, because I know that there are going oh, to be people Oh, that's a terrible game. There. You shouldn't play Devil's Advocate. Play Tetris Effect. Fair enough. But... <laughs> Isn't it just Tetris? No. no. Okay, then why? 
Because like, that's that's what I, I I believe you when you guys are saying that it's more than that. But it is so from only having played the demo, it's um, hard for me to understand why it is so much more. Well, I think the thing is, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to talk about because in the sense of like the actual gameplay, it is still Tetris. It's yep. Tetris with the hold block, which is obviously a controversial thing in Tetris for some people. But it's standard Tetris as you know it in terms of the actual gameplay. But for me, what makes the game better is the way the music and the visuals are integrated into while you're playing. Like it's, it's not changing your, the mechanics of the game, but I, it's new because the experience of it is so much more engaging. Like yeah. it is an overall, the thought process behind all of it is interwoven together. Yeah. Like moving the blocks around like affects how like the noises play into the mm -hmm. song. Like yeah. there's a, there's a level that's purely just like New York city and it's like, uh, uh the music, jazz it's piano. like jazz, jazz and like yeah. all of like moving it around, like just naturally fits into the song. And it's, there's a lot of things like that, that like really play into it that like just sucks you in mm -hmm. for hours. And then right. It's like three in the morning and you're like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I'm 32 years old. It was 11 PM. <laughs> uh, no, but like, I, I don't know if I'm, if this was just sort of perception, but uh, my sense was that like, first of all, like obviously like when you drop a block, it like, it makes a tone in the song that you're, you're playing right now. But I feel like there's almost like a, a rhythm component where, when the music speeds up, so do the blocks. Is that they're usually it's, timed together? Okay, I, of, I feel like yeah. that wasn't really sold properly in the demo, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's way more noticeable in the full game. Like there's parts where, and it's it's like I don't I don't really like rhythm games. I love Tetris, but the music in Tetris, as awesome as it is, isn't really related to the actual gameplay. Whereas in this case, uh, you learn you learn like begin to learn the song. And it affects how you approach the the game, and the whole yep. thing is you you charge up your your Tetris effect meter, which lets you kind of go into bullet time and like sort of rack up lines, and uh, basically you know you're you're slowing down the block. So you learn, you start to charge that up, and then you save it for the part in the song where it's going to speed up. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know it's going to get faster, it's like, and then suddenly it, you have to like it's like Tetris, but for Guitar Hero fans in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah, like, yeah. Where, which is you, probably yeah, why I love it so much. <laughs> you have to like go through like there's each area and like some areas have like five different like levels but it all it all is like the same tetris game and you get like you you remember like oh when i get to like when i take out 16 rows that's when like the song will speed up and so i have to like maybe just like not even go for tetris right now but keep it low because i know it's going to speed up and get crazy and all that yeah stuff. there's like an added layer of strategy to it and that's yeah. you know in addition to the sort of save block stuff and the, and the, the tetris meter and everything uh and that's that's just in sort of the core gameplay there's also like there's there's like the journey, which is almost I guess it's weird to say it's sort of the Tetris campaign, uh, which is it, dope. It brings you through different like different tracks and different <laughs> like sort of environments, um, and it's worth it to beat because then you can just watch the levels and yeah. not play Tetris. You just have a theater mode. Oh, that's really yeah. yeah. Oh. You get theater mode. Yeah. You get a theater I mode and you can control it, like, right the, song the show. A little bit. So, so not only what I'm hearing is not only is it more than just Tetris, the Tetris isn't even the best part. It, <laughs> I mean, because Tetris is still no. great, but it is good. It, it's the way the game interacts with your playing of Tetris. Yeah. Tetris, cool. excuse me. Because like uh, Mizuguchi, uh, who's behind Tetsuya Mizuguchi, excuse me, who made the game, uh, has made Res before. Uh, and have uh, uh, any of you played Res or a lot of people yeah. are also comparing this to Luminous? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, so the thing, what's interesting about the music behind it is that there are, like everyone's released the soundtrack, released the soundtrack. There is no soundtrack because the music is so integrated into your play that mm -hmm. there are no like official versions of the tracks yet. Yeah. Because they haven't mixed like a song yeah. per track. Yeah. 
yeah. it's very tied to what you do in the game uh there's also a lot of multiplayer components like there's leaderboards and there's uh like there's some what's that weird like global mode thing oh yeah effects know. mode there's, which has a bunch of sub modes in it yeah, yeah there's clearly like a bunch of like weird leaderboards and there's a, a thing where you see people sort of in your area and it's just it feels like i don't know like tetris kind of poked its head up and looked around and was like oh it's 2018 you know, like cracks knuckles, like let's do this. And it was like, it, you know, it it's, takes full advantage of the, the VR headset and makes yep. it makes Tetris this like, you know, Kubrickian like monolithic experience that is a like a psychedelic like shotgun blast of you know K hole visuals. So, <laughs> and they're doing a cool thing where on the weekends they have these sort of like timed event essentially of like get as many points as you can. And if the whole globe gets to a certain marker by the end of it, something gets unlocked. And for this week, it was like a 1989 old school Tetris. Uh, area mm. so that is now unlocked in the game it disappeared for a lot of people but if you reach the max level it becomes permanently unlocked forever so mm. there's, there's like a whole leveling and like rpg like light rpg in there also like typically tetris you think of it as like oh you you play it until you lose but in this case there's like kind of an end goal there's like levels yeah mm. and so you you know you can be like oh if i if i power through to this it's gonna like slow down and it's get to the next track and it's a right. different different setting and uh that's actually really nice if you if you you know, it's like I think it's what thirty-six lines per per level, more or less. Thirty-six to it depends on what difficulty. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's scale. But it's like you have to like make make a certain amount of lines per you know per level map, whatever you want to call it, uh, stage. Um, and I don't know if you're like really close to the end and you die, it's like oh well, I have to start over at the very beginning. It's like no, you start over from that from that level and mm. you, you start to learn the song better. Mm. And then there's the rhythm component to it. So I, like I would that. like to see a mode where you uh, where you have to try to go through every single stage. All in a row. That I mean, you can with the journey. Like you can just oh, keep yeah. going through huh. it. There's also like it, it'll pause mark? you. Is question mark mode the theater thing? Is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it essentially it'll pause you. Like there are the three level bunch and five level bunch. It'll like give you a quick pause in between each of those, but you can just keep going through all of it if you want. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like you, you'll have those brief intermissions where it's like score update, but yeah, interesting. You could just can keep. Mm. continuing and it's as the same tetris game what we're getting at here is a little bit good yeah. tetris yeah. game and you should play it yes yeah, yeah. Also, that's so a that's game the of the year contender tetris effect if you thought for that like him. we'd be on a, like an ign podcast in 2018 being like yeah the new tetris is really good like <laughs> i would okay. not have yeah yeah didn't it, really see that one coming but, but you know it is great it is wonderful it is out now you should absolutely play it especially if you have psvr it is wonderful of course before this show ends, though, I'd like to talk about one game that isn't out yet. Oh, let me put one minute oh, I on thank the you. clock. All right. Uh, so we're, of course, going to jump into the Kingdom Hearts Minute. Barrett can't believe there's still Kingdom Hearts news coming. And as long as there's still Kingdom Hearts news coming, and even when there isn't, I will keep doing this. It's going to get worse before it gets better. All right. Three, two. Uh, please work with me for a moment because I have to uh, do something. So please narrate. While this is a I'm, family show. Jonathan okay. is currently disrobing. Mm, wow. He's bounce, taking bounce, off his, his bounce, uh, bounce. tunic. And this he's putting is going to take up most minute? of the minute. Oh, yeah. I'll spend the minute on okay. this. Okay. You, you got <laughs> to vamp while you're And don't put the thing on the mic. It's okay. fine. It's you only have 40 going. seconds he's left. He's putting on some sort of a Christmas sweater. He's got 39 seconds left. Wow. Look at that. I have a Kingdom Hearts Christmas sweater now, everyone. It is wonderful. I love it so much. It came in the mail today. It is wonderful. But I'm not here to just talk about the Kingdom Hearts sweater that I'm wearing. I'm here to talk about the new Kingdom Hearts Winnie the Pooh trailer that came out this weekend. One, to confirm that Winnie the Pooh is back in the game, which is wonderful. I'm very happy to have that like nice, low-key kind of world mixed in with everything, obviously. But they also showed these like crazy bits of what I think the endgame are. You see this world that's like clouds and sort of like reflective surfaces and everything with a bunch of sores running around. Source? I don't know. Sources running disgusting. around. With a bunch of sores running around. I don't know if that's Kingdom Hearts itself, maybe in this like a new form of it or something, or it's within Source 
heart is one of the theories. Uh, I'm very curious to see what that world is like to play. Is that oh, the end? time's up. Yeah, you spent 20 seconds putting on a sweater. Worth so. it. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. To find out the thrilling conclusion of Jonathan's 30 seconds on Winnie the Pooh, I'm sure you've got plenty more to say next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Brian Altano was joking on Twitter that if you just will string all these Kingdom Hearts minutes together, you'll have a full episode to be on to listen to. I hear he's be- sick. I don't know. I don't know where I heard that from, but I think he, I heard he was sick. Yeah, he's got the Norwegian fever. Gotcha, gotcha. He's gotcha. in Norway. Okay, that's not a not a joke. He went to Norway to shoot a travel show. Okay, but when he gets back, he'll probably be sick of working, so he will in maybe Norway. take a day. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> I don't know where you were going with that one. <laughs> that's where we went. Either way, this has been Beyond Episode Five Hundred and Sixty Seven. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Of course, when we're not on Beyond, we are on IGN.com. You can head there to see all the under, other wonderful things we write produce, view, just in general do. Uh, Barrett, where can people find you, though, when you're not on Beyond? You can find me on the internet at Sad Boy Barrett. Max, where can people find you? This is just Max Scoville. Uh, and Tom? I'm at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. And I am at J.M. Dornbush. You can find me there talking, obviously, more about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, we'll have plenty <laughs> more to come in the weeks ahead of this crazy year. What are we doing year. next week? Uh, we're going to be holidays. we're going to be doing a special sort of episode. Uh, obviously, next week in America is Thanksgiving, yeah. so given that it's going to be a bit of a different week, we thought we'd try a bit of a different show. So please look forward to that. The Thanksgiving special. Yes, mm. Our, I've always loved sitcoms with holiday specials, so I figured why not have Beyond have a holiday special? An hour of ASMR eating. Yep. That's turkeys that we did. But that there, the, that, Ooh, that, yeah. that was People actually an episode happy. of Beyond. Oh my! Yeah. That's when I didn't produce the show. So. <laughs> One of the most controversial. <laughs> I feel sorry about that, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Yeah. Apologize for nothing. And of course, uh, as we mentioned last week, but just keep it in mind, keep December 10th open if you were in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, if you're around, just keep that day, that evening open. We will We're have more. Keeping it vague for now. We'll have more information for you, hopefully to come soon. But with that, thank you all so much for joining me. And of course, beyond. 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 There's always that little awkward, like, oh, we're yep. doing this? We're yep. doing this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.